2: The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names.
1: Welcome to Your Tech Report.
2: Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Mark Aflalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report.
1: Yes, it is another edition of Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. I'm in Montreal. He is in Los Angeles on Twitter. It is at yourtechreportfacebook.com slash yourtechreport. Our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, there's a quote in the beginning of our show open that says, we set out to make the greatest watch ever and this weekend is the weekend that people will be unboxing those apple watches and we'll make that decision whether or not they've made us made the greatest watch ever
3: you know I, i don't mean to be selfish and by the way hi mark we miss you here already in los angeles I think you should be here all the time, but that's just
1: me being selfish. I'm working on Um, moving there, but I I don't possibly think I can make enough money ever to be able to afford to live in even a cardboard box in Los Angeles. That's so funny,
3: because I was going to ask you to send me money so I could continue to live in my cardboard box here. But listen, I digress. (laughs) So I'm being a little bit of selfish boy. Yes, I want my mark back in my, uh, in my my home state, the state that I live in now. But also, I'm being selfish boy, because while everyone is celebrating the release of the Apple Watch, I just always look down to my empty wrist and am reminded of what I am not getting and what I did not get on launch day. So it's a little bit frustrating for me, but for all of you who have unboxed, and I'm very well, I can't say I'm very happy. I'm pretty happy for you, yet I I bring it back to myself. I'm a little upset. A little bit? Mitchell, as of yet, I haven't
1: received my Apple Watch either, okay? So we're kind of in the same boat, but mine will be delivered, and they are promising that there are shipments that are going to be delivered ahead of time, so don't worry. I think the demand is uh, obviously settling down a bit, but also that supply is ramping up. So happy Apple yeah. Watch weekend right here on your tech porch <laughs> wherever everybody. you are yeah. um, they did they did do their official I fix it teardown of the Apple Watch uh, this past Friday and uh, what we're finding out uh, you know some new things such as how big the battery is and it's a 205 milliamp battery in that Apple Watch which will give you about the runtime that uh, you're expecting
3: uh, yeah, we could we could talk a little bit. I mean, this is the new segment. We're, we're segueing into. so We could talk a little bit more about Apple Watch. Yes, we yes, have time to course. do this, First don't course. we? Go. Okay, we'll talk, so talk. and just so you know, the 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 the, uh, the breakdown that you're talking about, the teardown with that battery, that was the 38 millimeter version. Now they've all they've always been talking about how the numbers that they gave us that 18 hour quote for battery life, which people say is uh, they sort of lowballed it because it does give a little more battery life than that. But those numbers are based on the smaller 38 millimeter model that Mark just. Quoted the larger 42 millimeter watch. They haven't given us numbers on that, but they did say it is a larger battery. It will work for longer periods of time. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's another thing to think about if you're sort of vacillating between and you know, if it's not just a look thing, but 38, 42 price point looks. Better battery life on the bigger watch.
1: Listen, and if you want to think about things in comparison, you can look at things like the LG G watch, which has a, a 410 milliamp battery, or even the Moto 360, which has a smaller battery, 320 milliamp, but lasts, you know, different pay, you know, different sizes, different lengths of time. But again, its software also dictates, and usage will always dictate how long that battery will run you.
3: Not, not just that, but you can also use your, you know, you could sort of use your iPhone as a barometer here, Mark, because look, listen, I, I've always said I was very pleased with both the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus battery life, and that's been a combination of battery technology and software tweaks to make that battery life better in the iPhone. However, if you're a person that is really into social networking, if you're constantly getting updates from your Instagram slash Facebook slash Twitter account, your battery life on your iPhone is going to be a lot worse than people that are not tied into social networking that are constantly getting exactly. these notifications. And I can tell you right now, Mark, it's the same thing for the Apple Watch. If you're a person that is going to want to constantly use your Apple Watch to see all the people that have retweeted or favorited your tweets uh, yeah. that are posting on Instagram, you will get shorter battery life than other yeah. people that don't. So please keep this in mind. It's not the watch. It's the way that you're using it.
1: And this is one of the things as to why these watches don't necessarily have their own connectivity because battery life, right. and, you know, it, battery life is something that's always evolving. It's like memory and storage. It becomes cheaper over time, becomes smaller over time, but you know, we, we are we are dealing with things like this, and, and I want to talk about the Samsung line of watches, because there's an announcement from Samsung that they are going to be releasing uh, their first round watch. It's going to be part of their gear lineup. Um, that's coming towards the latter part of this year, which is interesting, and they're going to be releasing an SDK prior to that, but let, let's rewind a bit to the Samsung gear watch that exists now with Android Wear on it. There's a a lot of rumors about real iPhone support. We're talking about not just pairing at Bluetooth and getting what you can, but real, like an iPhone app that will send things to your Gear 2 watch.
3: And for people that don't know, yeah, we heard this announcement that the, the, the entire platform was getting this update. And in fact, the platform has been updated, Mark. Uh, your Gear Watch will now have features that are similar to some of the new features that we're seeing in Apple Watch. So it's a little bit of a take that, Apple, where you can actually do drawings with your fingertip on the watch, very similar to what you can do on Iowa, on Apple Watch. People wanted to say iWatch. Um, yeah. So that update has come. But like Mark is saying, the other update that has been teased is the fact that, there is, that Google is hard at work and soon to release, in fact they say it's ready it's just pending approval, the ability to let you use your Gear Watch or any of the you know, the Android Wear watches with your iPhone. We talked about this on a previous show I believe two weeks ago uh, we haven't seen the update Mark because I do have the, uh, the, the Gear Watch here ready to go. It has received one update but it has not received the ability to be compatible with the iPhone yet we hear it's imminent, it's just it should be days away but it's not here quite yet
1: They're even announcing some features such as Google Now is going to support new no dictation on Android Wear. So all of these features obviously intended to catch up with competitors, and that is to be expected. And this is why competition is something that is healthy, and we strongly encourage.
3: Yes, we do. We strongly encourage it very much. <laughs> but we also want to make sure that the in the end, the consumer is always the winner when there's competition among different uh, tech giants. Mark, I just want to skip right back, and then we'll move on from Apple Watch. I don't want it to be you know, your Apple report. We'd have to change the name and all of our branding. Yeah, it's too much. Uh, but you know, we we heard they were Apple seemed to be and they seemed to be going back and forth about exactly how this watch was going to be sold. We heard that it's not going to be in store. Then we said we heard Apple say we well that's for right now. We reserve the right to change our minds should things change <laughs> we on our the end. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And what what happened? Uh, we now know that on launch day this past Friday, it was in fact released not in Apple stores. Apple stuck to their guns on that, but third party high end stores all over the world. I know there's one store in Los Angeles that was selling the watch in-store yeah. on the on, on launch day, and certain like boutique stores all over the world, lines were incredible. But again, the messaging to the consumer, there were still lines in some Australian stores at Apple stores around the block, and the employees kept on having to come out and say, please don't wait because we're not selling it in stores. You have oh, to go Lord. to a separate boutique. So it is still confusing. I think Apple still hasn't found the sweet spot as to what they want to do long-term and how they're communicating with the end user, so little bumps there, little growing pains, but don't worry, it, it'll get it'll get worked out soon.
1: Well, let's briefly talk about Comcast and Time Warner. There's been, okay. this has been a while that they've been talking about this acquisition. Comcast wants to obviously buy Time Warner. They've you know they announced their intention to uh, to acquire the company for forty five billion dollars. Um, a on? lot of uh, yeah a lot a lot of speculation, a lot of concerns about competition in the competition bureau and competition in the cable business is what is really it uh, looks like they are going to be backing off on this bid because we're hearing rumors that the the obviously the government is going to reject this merger. How big is a deal like this in, in in your country, Mitchell?
3: oh, this is a huge deal, but this sort of this starts to get into the you know years ago there were monopoly laws that were put in place to prevent one company from becoming too powerful and not giving people a choice, not giving consumers not just a choice, but a reasonable choice to have the service and the price points they want. And this goes back, Mark, to what we just talked about, competition being so important. Yeah. Competition is important because when, when, when giants like this merge together, it really, it, the, the balance, the balance of power goes from the consumer in terms of making their choice, having appropriate choices at appropriate price points. The balance goes in favor of the company. Now that you have the, if you were to have these two giants, I mean, we're talking Comcast and Time Warner, two of the biggest players uh, on the provider end and television streaming. I mean, it's a huge deal in this country. And I'm telling you, it might not be the worst thing in the world for this not to happen, because although, yes, there there is upside, there is plenty of upside to, to having this sort of merger happen again, though, on the on the downside for the consumer. And that's the point of view I'm looking at from right now, Mark. Will the consumer still have all the choices they want from two giant competing companies going, well, our service is better. We'll lower the price. We'll give you these packages. We'll lower the price even more. You're not going to see that when these mergers take place. And if it does happen, what sort of precedent does it, does it set for other companies to do the same thing? And before we, before we know it, we only have two companies to choose from. Oh, yeah. And when that happens, innovation dies and prices do not move.
1: Well, you know, the government did uh, many years ago. I mean, in 2011, they they bashed AT&T, you know, to their T-Mobile acquisition. Uh, there was the Echo Stars bid to buy DirecTV in 2002. So there's a lot of precedent and a lot of careful calculation and look at the industry when they make decisions like this because it is, it is a very, very... Touchy situation.
3: Absolutely. I mean, let's 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 use a different uh, two different companies here in the states. Okay, let's talk about the Dish and Directv. Now they they always play off of each other in terms of features, in terms of price point, consumer messaging, and branding. They're each trying to be the one in terms of uh, satellite television, and. I got to tell you, for the consumer, this is a great thing because prices keep on lo- getting lower, uh, packages keep on increasing, you get more and more for your dollar because these two companies are fighting for their share. Now, for them, obviously, the more money they can get, if they could unify as one giant company, good for them, but from again, from the consumer... We are the ones that benefit from this competition when these two big players compete. Imagine that competition wasn't there. What is the incentive? What incentivizes giving the consumer more for their dollar? It's like video games. You know, when when one company buys the right, we'll be the only one that makes football games. We'll be the only one that makes a baseball game. How do they get better when there's no competition? So I like the competition. I hope these companies stay separate.
1: Ever since Nokia sold off their mobile division to Microsoft, we've been wondering what's going to come of this of this company. The Finnish company, you know, the, the sale meant that they could no longer make handsets. But it did not stop them from designing and licensing their designs. And that is what we're told is going to be happening in the end of 2016, because contractually, they can't even do that and use that Nokia name until then. But the Finnish company will be releasing handsets, likely Android handsets, through third-party manufacturing.
3: How weird does that feel? I mean, how weird does it feel? I mean, I still remember what was the great Nokia phone with the round dial pad that I had—the first one that had a screen
1: oh, built I, in. You know, I can't—I can't even remember model <laughs> names, but they were—they were the cutting edge. So Nokia cutting was edge. the, the uh, on top of their game. They were featured in movies. I remember the Matrix phone that I had to get my hands on. I remember GSM phones that I would get on eBay and different sources to get them in, in the U.S. and Canada, so I could play with them. They were on the cutting edge. They were the first ones to have digital technology. And now, look at the company. You know, the company, unfortunately, has kind of fell behind rapidly. The smartphone industry and smartphones, you know, Android and and Apple got ahead and left them kind of in the wake. Thankfully, Microsoft did, you know, grab onto the brand and help rejuvenate that. But now we're seeing the company, you know, they're going to be coming back to the market at the end of 2016. But will they be able to compete?
3: Well, you know, uh, th- there's a certain company, a name that comes to mind, which is BlackBerry, but obviously these companies took a very different path. Uh, Nokia uh, Nokia, I think still went along with the times and was able to uh, sort of grow as the different players came around in the field and evolved, but Mark, remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that uh, the name Nokia, or Nokia, depending, I think they pronounce it Nokia, uh, it wasn't that long ago that they were the ones that sort of revolutionized the Symbian operating system. Yes, That was the operating system for smartphones, right? Now that brand became synonymous, you know, in their second stage with Windows Phone, right? Making these great Windows Phone devices. I'm getting all emotional again. (laughs) Now it's going to be an Android device, a Nokia Android device. It just sounds so strange to me, but you know, whatever they do, their designs are beautiful. The cameras are top notch. So I'm excited to see what happens next, even on the Android side, because they make killer handsets. They always have, and I hope they always will.
1: So let's talk about another company for a second, Sony, okay? Sony, I I want you to bring your brain back to a couple James Bond films ago. Sony was very proud to have their handset featured in uh, one of the James Bond films with Daniel Craig. Well, they are trying, or they have tried and got rejected quite harshly, to uh, To get their device featured in the next James Bond film, which is really it, it's around the corner, but they were uh, they were slammed down because they were you know, the words were Mitchell. They basically said we, we only want the best of the best, <laughs> and oh, wow. they're not going to take their money and feature their films. You know, it's it's interesting because a company like Sony is big, and I think we've seen their products in many a film and many a TV show. So it's a pretty big slam against that company, wouldn't you think? They offered <laughs> oh. five million. Maybe they want more. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) I think that speaks to
3: two things. Number one, where the perception is of Sony handsets, which I don't think is fair. And number two... What $5 million represents in the grand scheme of the budget of a huge film. I think it speaks to sort of both ends of that, but I've always been, for is it the um, Xperia line of phones? I'm correct, the Sony Xperia lines of phone, right? Exactly. I've always been a fan of those devices. I think when they first came out, they were still lagging behind in terms of perception and even maybe promotion on Sony's end. But remember, Mark, Sony was going through a lot of transitions at the time where their phone line was being brought out and, you know, full scale. They were having issues with their movie department, uh, television, home theater, they were going through some growing pains as well and all the divisions of sony were not really one cohesive unit so he had all these little pieces trying to dish out information of the consumer again messaging to the consumer i think that xperia line of phones has always been brilliant with brilliant displays great cameras So i feel bad that we're sitting here talking about well it's not really a top rate phone it is a top-notch phone yeah, but is. perception is much stronger sometimes than the reality of what a product is and that's that's at play here
1: one thing to note is that the information really it came out of that Sony, big Sony leak. It was one of those emails where they <laughs> oh, kind right. of responded. Yeah, it was great. Uh, so we don't know the conclusion. So we may see the November 6th launch of uh, Spectre, which is the next Daniel Craig version of the James Bond movie, will be out. And we will see. Maybe they made good. Maybe they offered them a bit more money. We'll see that
3: like, how badly do you want this? Yeah, how badly, Maybe two how bad? $5
1: million payments <laughs> to equal $10 million? Yes. It is your tech report. I'm Mark Flau in Montreal. He's Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. We've got more news coming up, and we've got a really cool interview around the corner. Tico 3D. That's all I'm going to tell you about. Google it now. Tico 3D. If you want to get into 3D printing, you'll want to listen to much more. Plus, we've got a giveaway coming up next week. We'll tell you all about that towards the end of the show when your tech report continues.
2: Your tech report will be right back. This is your tech report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com.
1: Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Wittell with you, your tech report. Mitchell, we continue with the news of the week.
3: Uh, yeah, this this piece of news is going to be part news and part plea. This plea, let's start out with the plea, plea part okay, it, okay? Let's start off with My that. My plea is to the folks at 2K. Now, 2K <laughs> is responsible for some fantastic video games, both on console, you know, PC, and, of course, on our mobile, de- mobile devices. Uh, this plea goes out to the folks at 2K because they're putting out so many fantastic mobile games. Uh, to say that my son Ryan and myself have become obsessed with them and maybe spent a little bit of coin on them as well and gotten myself in trouble. Uh, they already have so many fantastic games out on the mobile side. Uh, they have the WWE, was it the supercards? Um, which I I spend a ridiculous amount of time and as I said, money on. Uh, so WWE SuperCard is already out, has been for a while for iOS. Uh, then of course there's Immortals, a great fighting game that they have using their roster of superstars uh, in different sort of you know uh, combative themes. Really really cool fighting game. Now what do they do? The folks at, w, uh, at 2K put out WWE 2K, which is based on the WWE video game, the Big Brother that is also on of course you know Xbox One and PlayStation 4. But this is a Mobile version of the game <laughs> using their roster of superstars like Hulk Hogan, John Cena, Sting, cool. Undertaker, um, and it it takes a lot of the modes from the from the full console version and gives you a portable version in your hand. Like create a superstar career mode, you have live multiplayer matches, you can unlock stuff, all this great features. But the really cool part, market. <laughs> part, I, the game looks beautiful on my iPhone 6, okay? The ring entrances alone, just watching all the superstars have their ring entrances, it's like I'm watching a WWE, <laughs> you know, SmackDown or Raw on television, Love it. and now I find myself being, instead of being excited, I find myself being angry at my friends at 2K for putting out these games that just become these huge time sucks for me. I can't help but play these games. So, yes, 2K out is great. WWE 2K out is, is out now. Seven ninety nine on the app It's for Android and for iOS. It's fantastic, but please, guys, stop making these great games. I barely have enough time for coaching my kids and doing my work. It takes too much of my time. I'm having too much fun. That's my plea.
1: Mitchell, the Globe and Mail sent me an email, and it actually happened this second. Globe and Mail is aiming to be one of the first news organizations with an app on the new Apple Watch. They, with a, you know, Obviously, the watch launching on the 24th. They've designed their app to feature one-sentence stories. It's large, it's impactful, has some great graphics, and it's going to play well on the watch, and I want to just mention that to people who are looking for news you know there's other sources as well but the global mail is one of the first especially in canada to launch a uh, brand new app on the apple watch which is really 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 cool uh microsoft has, has a couple of announcements that i wanted to touch on the first one was they're really targeting uh educational institutions they have launched an education only version of their new surface the surface 3 it features 32 gigs of storage two gigs of ram it's going to be available including the type cover, I can't remember what you, you, type touch cover, um, as well as the stylus for 10% off the actual retail price. This is only available to educational institutions. Now think about it. The entry level one for consumers is $499. So this one's going to go to educational institutions for less than $399. They're really making a target at this, this sector, and I think they're going to do a really good job at it. And don't forget, this version still runs Windows 8.1. It's compatible with Windows 10, so you're getting all the benefits, and you're going to be able to get it at uh, starting May 5th to people who have an education discount.
3: And of course, you know, you know, the thirty-two gigs of internal storage is no big deal because once again, that's enough to save stuff that you want to save on it. Hundred percent. And they're also, you know, thinking that most people, like, like us, invest in saving stuff on the cloud. So internal storage and onboard storage becomes less and less of an issue. Mark, you touched on something really important here: the importance of companies investing in these special educate in, in, in the education model because when they have products at the level. Uh, in the school systems, whether it's coming in uh, elementary, high school, even on the college levels, these are the products. When you get used to using these products in school, they're the products that you want to use when you're out of school because you're familiar with them. Absolutely. So investing in the educational sector is very, very smart. And let's face it, the Surface, the Surface 3, the Surface Pro, the originals, these are great products. Yeah. So it's not like they're pushing products that aren't worthy of attention. They are worthy of attention, and I'm glad to see them sort of, you know, investing in every level, especially education.
1: Two other announcements from Microsoft this week: Outlook has no longer a preview for Android operating system. So if you want to get that full Outlook experience on Android, as you are able to get on iOS right now, you can do that as well. You can get that in the uh, the Android, the Google Play Store. Um, Solitaire, Mitchell. Sol. This one excited me to no end. So lonely. The lonely. So- lonely remember Solitaire when games. you're playing yeah. on your Windows 3.1 machine, your Windows 95 machine. It, it's for still hours a- on end, yes. Yeah, it's yes. still available as a download from the Windows Store, but it's going to be bundled with Windows 10 when it comes out in July. Oh, and that is so cool. Free Solitaire. Free Solitaire. Uh. Now, there's no word on whether Minecraft, uh, Minesweeper or uh, or Hearts, was it the other one that came? It was Hearts, Remember those yeah. games? Flashback. <laughs> of course. No word. Those will still be available to the store, but uh, Solitaire is the one that's going to make it back. And the reason they're doing it is because people have been asking for it. So they're responding to people. I love it.
3: You know, I love that. And it's really, it, it, it's it kind of nostalgic. It's kind of like the start button. It's like, this is what people are used to. One of the great things exactly. about booting up a window PC, when you went into that games folder, had a dedicated games folder, and you always knew, you know, when you bought a you know retail PC, there'd be some cool, there'd be a great solitaire game. And like you said, Minesweeper. So it brings back great memories. And who hasn't killed like two hours just sitting there mindlessly playing oh, solitaire God. until your eyes started bleeding. So yeah, I think that's great.
1: <laughs> okay, Mitchell, this, this, the last story I want to talk about before we uh, take a quick break and get to a really cool interview is um, Waze. Waze is an app that's been around for a long time that uses crowdsourcing to you know give you traffic information. And it's become very popular, and the more popular it is, like a lot of these apps, the more useful it becomes. It's become so useful that Los Angeles is going to be teaming up with Waze to cut down on traffic jams. So obviously you think here, okay, so you've got an app, you've got you know Los Angeles. Now How do they actually do this? This is the cool thing as they get information real-time information they're going to push that off to the city so they can react quicker to traffic jams and accidents and get those cleared up quick but at the same time they're going to get all that information out to the user base so people can avoid it thus reducing traffic jams i think this is brilliant and i think they should be doing this in every city
3: Oh, absolutely. Living in Los Angeles and knowing what a horrible traffic problem they have, this is a huge thing. And Mark, it, it it sort of shows you the new model for the next generation of tech and vehicles. This should be integrated with every car that we have that has navigation. Navigation should be a base thing that everyone has anyway. Absolutely. But imagine having a button, a physical button on a screen that allows you to report something instantly in real time, having Waze integrated on a physical level, on a tech level. This is really important. I think it's going to be the next wave of what we see.
1: Waze has made its way onto other devices, other app platforms like Google Maps, even I I think Apple Maps uses uh, Waze traffic that as well. So it's really, really cool. It is your tech report. I am Marco Flalo. He is Mitchell Whitfield. We've got more show lined up. We're going to go hands on with a very cool golf simulator and a hard drive. Thanks to our friends at Western Digital. But before that, we're going to speak to a young inventor based here in Canada. They have a Kickstarter campaign that wanted $100,000. They got, well,
2: $2.5 Your tech report will be right back. Is your tech report.
1: Yes, it is. Marka Flalo in Montreal. Mitchell Whitfield with you. We are your tech report on Twitter. It's at your tech report, facebook.com slash your tech report. And of course, the pages of your tech report.com. Now, Mark, I, I, we do a lot of really cool interviews on this show. We
3: have for a long time. And uh, it's no secret that I tend to get excited when we do these interviews because they're usually regarding products that I'm already excited about. And I remember back in the day when our friend of the show, Ed Fries came on we were talking about figure prints that great 3d printing company that did your world of warcraft figures right yeah I, that was a in that in that stage i think the the technology for 3d printing was it wasn't where it is now and i think if you look now where 3d printing has come it is almost like uh, it's like an, a typewriter compared to a robotic surgeon's hands building something for you in real time it's amazing how far it's come
1: on the line with us is a, a young inventor, we'll call him. Um, his name is Matt, and I'm going to get this right, Matt Gajkowski. You are, where are you based, Matt?
0: Uh, I'm from Toronto.
1: So you're from Toronto. Okay, so you launched this incredible Kickstarter for a product that we're calling the Tico 3D, which is uh, a 3D printer that really sets itself apart in many different ways. And I want you to tell me what those ways are, because it is so cool.
0: Uh, well, I mean, there are so many technologies packed into Tico that I wouldn't even know where to begin, or let alone where to end. But I think the, the amazing thing is that we packed in technology to make it more accessible, make it simpler, and make it... Uh, more affordable.
1: Let's talk about that price for a second, Matt, because the, the one thing that really sets Tico 3D apart from anybody else is a $179 price tag, which is insane. And, you know, it's unfortunate Mitchell can't be on with us because Mitchell has a friend whose name is Ed Freeze. He had this company called Prints who create these World of Warcraft characters. And, and these printers, if you think back, were like these giant tabletop machines with a print head that moves back and forth in many different directions but that's exactly what you're solving you're solving the issue of these mechanical things constantly falling apart and you do that in Tico 3D in a very unique way.
0: Sure, and we do that with with new technologies where we're able to use uh, novel materials and, and, and new design ideas that allow us to make it smaller more compact, more efficient. I mean just look at what your cell phone was like back in the 90s. I mean, everything is getting smaller, and, and your printer should follow the same, uh, the same rule without losing capability.
1: Now, the design of Tico 3D, it's unibody, and that's what really sets it apart, isn't it?
0: That is the core technology there, yes. It's made of one piece.
1: So can you can you describe what doing that, what creating a unibody design, what does it take out of the equation from traditional 3D printers that makes it better?
0: Sure, well, so many 3D printers have since forever been made of a multi-piece frame that has to be fastened together from these bulky beams that are heavy. And in the fastening process, there's so many ways you can misalign them. And during shipping, they can become misaligned. And we've seen some new printers hit the market that are kind of dressed up versions of that, but it's still fundamentally the same thing. And we knew that we had to drop that. We had to uh, make something that was simpler, that was one piece, and I mean, we see that in in race cars, we see that in in modern uh, you know laptops and things like that. We see unibody construction, and we had to do it, uh, and it took us a long time to figure it out. But once we did, I mean, all the calibration problems, all the misalignments, the weight, the bulk, everything—it just disappeared. All those problems gone.
1: Now, are we restricted to any specific, like, can we not print things that are certain sizes because of it?
0: Uh, well, I mean, the technology is somewhat scalable, but we don't anticipate making a giant version of it in the future, although we've had the request. But the cool thing is that with Tico, you can print objects that are much uh, larger than you would be able to print in an otherwise, uh, otherwise similar-sized printer. Because that chassis is so thin, there's no real Thick, beamy, you know, bulkiness to it. Uh, Tico can print large objects for its size. But as far as making it gigantic, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon.
1: Now, let's let's talk about the Kickstarter campaign for a second, because you launched a campaign uh, just about a month ago, and you were asking for $100,000. Now, we hear about all these campaigns, people asking for you know relatively small amounts of money. That's not a small amount of money, and getting blown away by the response. Right now, and this interview is pre-recorded, you're, you're at, at, at just about $2.5 million in funding. Did you expect that?
0: Well, Sharon's our business analyst, and she did a lot of market research beforehand. So I'll admit that we were carefully optimistic, but there's so many factors. I mean, especially when we first launched, our biggest barrier was the skepticism. I mean, people, if we set a high price point, nobody would care. It might not be a big deal. If we set a low price point, everyone would think we're a scam. And that's kind of how things started off. It was a little bit scary. Uh, So we weren't sure what was going to happen. But we have this saying um, that we say... Uh, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Yeah, of course. But we actually had scenarios planned out for every possible eventuality. Uh, so I don't want to say that we expected it. We, we certainly were at the mercy of the people on this one, but, but we were carefully optimistic.
1: Now, when you, when you saw it grow to this in, in, insane amount, does it scare you at all? Does it scare you? Like, can you meet the demand? Will you be able to fund it? Or is it something that, again, you plan for?
0: Um, well, Delivering the printers isn't any more complicated for a larger order. Our manufacturers who are handling this, I mean, we're like probably the one Kickstarter company that doesn't want to start up its own manufacturing facility. Which is smart. Uh, We're just going with experienced manufacturers while we focus on the R&D. So delivering a large order shouldn't be a problem. It's just all the research and development that goes into perfecting it beforehand. That's the tricky part. And really... Having a beer campaign allows us to, let's say, have a larger team, to have a, a more complex endurance testing program. So really, all of this is actually improving our campaign. It's improving our odds of delivering a high-quality product on the first uh, in the first batch.
1: When do you expect to be, be shipping the first devices out to Kickstarter backers?
0: November. That's our first batch. And now we've got, um, I think we're, we're rolling into around close to April now uh, exactly. for our... Our latest batches. So we're we're taking it slow. We can produce these things pretty quickly, but we don't want to to you know overpromise underdeliver. We're we're taking it slow and making sure that everyone gets a printer that was uh, built with care and and inspected and, and works well upon delivery.
1: Listen, some of the biggest companies in the world, you know, do do take that same approach, which is making sure the product is perfect before it, it is released and it is in the market. When you um once you obviously obviously satisfy your backers. Is the price point going to remain the same for people who are just casual consumers buying it?
0: We really hope we can keep it the same. Uh, It's going to depend on a lot of things. Of course, in a Kickstarter campaign, you you get sales much quicker than you do on just a a website or something. Yeah, of course. But Of course, we're working towards uh, bringing these to retail, to institutions, and so there's a lot of factors that are going to come into play with this. But we think that looking at our business model, looking at our cost structure, it's quite feasible that these will be you know, in retail stores for under $200. And that's really our mission, to to keep 3D printing accessible. This isn't like a Kickstarter cash grab. This is a bigger thing than that. We want this to be, at the end of the day, we want our printer to be cheaper than some textbooks. Because especially for schools. What would you rather give a student, a textbook or a 3D printer?
1: Well, 100%. The amount the things that people can create if they had this kind of tool at their disposal is, is infinite. So you're really, you're doing a really great service, not only at least, obviously for the company and making money and, and and delivering a great product, but this is a, a great service to educational institutions and schools and, and the development of science and technology overall.
0: Sure. And, and we know the potential of 3D printers. We wouldn't be here if we didn't have a 3D printer. And we didn't pay for our, for our first 3D printer. It was actually, it's a really long and interesting story but we received it and uh, and, I mean if there was a $200 one I probably would have picked it up but because it was a $2,000 printer I couldn't and so it was knife's edge it was possible that uh, none of this would have ever happened could you imagine that? So imagine how many other inventions there are out there that we can make possible by giving people that tool, so they can create it.
1: Well, t- and do me a favor, talk talk about some of those those thoughts, because obviously having created this printer and all the stories we see about people uh, printing uh, replacement body parts, uh, limbs, things that really help other sectors, are there are there limitations to what you think you can do with three D printing?
0: Not that long ago, people didn't realize what a computer could be used for. Some people thought it was a useless uh, toy to have on your desktop and look at where we are now. Uh, I think 3D printing has so much potential, and, and prosthetics is definitely a great place to start, yeah. but there's just so many possible... I can't even begin to imagine all the ways that it can be used. Of course, I have some of my favorites, right? Yeah. But so many ways, and I think a lot of it is going to depend on the technologies. Right now, you know, we have these FDM printers, uh, there's a few other technologies out there for 3D printing, but a lot of them are limited to either super expensive machines that can do something like metals, but they're dangerous as well, yeah. or cheap little machines that can do plastic. And you've got to start somewhere, but we envision the technology growing, materials um, expanding, and that's what's really going to unlock doors where just about anything can be 3D printed. Um, and really amazing things are going to result from that.
1: So where can people find out more? Obviously, there's the Kickstarter campaign on for just a couple more days, but the website is tico3d.com?
0: It is. Although the, the website just points you right back at the Kickstarter campaign. All the information is there. Uh, we, wanna, we don't want to disperse it throughout the internet. We really want it to be in one place. I mean, every single thing about the Tico experience is supposed to be easy, streamlined, simple, efficient. Uh, that's, just, that's just how we do things.
1: Yeah, the, the some features that I wanted to mention about the Tico as well, I mean, it, you, you know, wireless connectivity, um, cloud connectivity, these are all features that you wouldn't expect from a product like this and that are really limited on the market today. So you've really got, you guys have done a really good job, not only with the, with the concept, but the design is spectacular and the features you've built in are exactly what consumers want and don't even realize they want.
0: Sure. I mean, you know, Mark, we never even for a second thought of ourselves as making a cheap 3D printer. We want it to be expe- accessible, inexpensive, affordable, those kind of words, not cheap. Since day one, we wanted to make uh, not the lowest cost 3D printer in an existing kind of consumer class, but rather we want to be the most expensive 3D printer in a whole new class that no one's ever even knew existed. And, uh, and really... So we packed a lot of tech into Tico, and, and someday someone will probably undercut us, but that, that won't be a problem because we're focused on new technologies, on, on um, you know, great user experience. We really want this to be the best printer not just the one that everyone can get.
1: Well, I encourage our listeners to check out uh, Tico3D.com. I'm going to head over there right now and become one of those backers. And I really want to thank you, Matt, uh, for taking the time to join us this week.
0: That's amazing. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for your support. And thanks for having me on air.
1: When we come back on your tech report it's with Mark Flallow and Mitchell Woodfield, that, that's us. Uh, we're going to go hands on with a golf simulator and a hard drive made, especially for the Xbox one. Oh yeah. That and more when we come back on your tech report,
2: your tech report will be right back. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report.
1: Or you can find us on Twitter. It is at yourtechreport. Or how about facebook.com slash yourtechreport. What about our email address? Well, I've got one for you as well. It's contact at yourtechreport.com. I am Marco Flalo in Montreal, Canada. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles, California. Mitchell, when I was there just last week, because I was in yes. California visiting you, I miss you already, by the way. I know, me too. It's terrible. Um, you gave me a handful of fun gadgets <laughs> that people uh, sent to you instead of me, because sometimes it's easier to ship to the States, so I understand. And one of yes, these so gadgets greedy, yes. was uh, called Vert, V-E-R-T, and we spoke to the creators Back uh, right after CES, I remember. And what this does is it measures your your vertical distance, your jump, really. Um, and it works with an app and works with your smart device. But you got to play with something that does way more than just measuring your vertical distance. It does way more for the game of golf, doesn't it?
3: Yes, this is a golf-specific product. It's actually a golf simulator slash learning tool. It's incredible. It's called OptiShot 2. Now, let me explain what this does, okay? <clears throat> I'm so excited. I'm getting emotional in my voice. That's okay. Imagine a device that you could fit in a backpack, a briefcase, you know, about one foot by one foot, maybe a little longer. Okay. Not that much larger, but it can fit in any bag, any travel bag. You put it on the ground. It has a synthetic turf on it. It has an adjustable tee. And basically, you can hit golf balls off of this device... And it will measure... It uses 16 different infrared sensors to measure every aspect of your golf swing. Now, you attach this device to your computer, okay? And, I I mean, could you imagine, Mark, being able to be in your own home, uh, in the privacy of your own home, using your own golf clubs? Uh, You can use regular golf balls if you have, you know, a a space for a cage, or uh, these foam golf balls that that come included in the package. And it will measure... I can't even tell you, I mean, like I said, head speed, angle. I mean, it's incredible.
1: Okay, let, let me stop you for a second because okay, yeah. this sounds to me like those golf simulators that I've seen at like Dave and Buster's and these, and even some golf stores have it where they have a giant projection screen set up that, that's curved and you can go in there and it measures everything from your sim, this is for your home. This is for your home, and it, it has the exact same technology. The, the way it works is, like I said, it
3: attaches to your computer. It works with either PC or Mac, comes with the software, uh, but then you can also attach that to a big screen television so while you're standing in your <clears throat> you know, garage, living room wherever you have the room to play by the way they do say you need about 8.5 eight foot high ceilings at least to accommodate depending how tall you are of course to accommodate for the full swing because you're, yeah, you're taking full swings with your own actual yeah, golf clubs and it, it, you can actually play, it comes I think with 14 courses included 14 full golf courses included, oh, so while, while it's actually measuring everything and giving you feedback in real time about what you need to adjust with your swing, you can also play these rounds of golfs with up to 4 people online, 14 very popular courses, it, it really is like having your own personal golf pro that, because Mark listen, we all, uh, golf is a wonderful game I think the nice thing for me about golf is I know that I'm not good, so because of that my Expectations are very low, and because of that, I very much enjoy it. And if you enjoy golf, and if you go out golfing at all with friends or on your own, it's very expensive it's incredibly expensive not just to go uh, you know hit some golf balls even just at the driving range but when you start getting you know talk about your greens fees the golf cart rental 100% it starts to get I mean it's, it's, it, it can well, be very cost prohibitive
1: well not only cost prohibitive to play the game but this also I'm assuming you know obviously gives you all the teaching elements as well I mean you've got the pro you save that amount you've got the golf fees you save that amount you don't need a cart to get to your bedroom oh, that's good that's I right mean, to, to what extent can you use this I mean can you set up like a, say, in your man cave can you set up a cage are using real i guess you can why not you could project there it are, onto any on any surface can't you absolutely you can project
3: it onto the on your you could have it on your big screen you could project on the wall uh you can i actually was doing it on my big screen tv in the living room i had room to do it it was pretty incredible uh but you could put the full cage if you've ever gone into a golf store and they have the full cage set up where this is the same technology and uh, to give you an idea okay what kind of things does it measure in terms of you know as a learning tool Club head speed, which a lot of people want to know how you know how fast they're making contact and what speed they're making contact with the ball. Face angle, swing path, distance traveled, face contact. So not just the ang- when you actually make contact with the ball, what angle is the club? I mean, it's incredible. Swing tempo, shot shape, and it's measuring all of these things in real time using OptiShots 2 on you know, OptiShot 2's onboard sensors. And they make it fun because you can be doing this, you can be actually hitting these balls and you can take from your initial drive right down to the putt on every hole on every course they include. It comes with the 14 courses. You could then buy additional courses. I was going to
1: ask you about that, yeah.
3: <clears throat> of course, of course. And I, I got to tell you, even at, let's say, let's say you don't want to use this in game mode where you can actually golf with your friends, because we all know there are video golf games out there. Of course. Let's say you don't even want to do that, but you can do it. The fact that it allows you to take the learning element and go into a competitive element with, online with your friends, it really, really works. And yes, it's different obviously hitting a foam ball cuz you love to hear the contact of hitting a great, you know, a real golf ball, but yeah. if you're indoors and if you don't have that cage built in your man cave or wherever you like to to play and you want to actually do it in your living room while watching your big screen TV, doing the foam, using the foam ball is Perfect because foam ball, regular ball, it gives you the same information. It teaches you, it, it actually makes your game better. Of course, it does make you realize how, if you are like me, how bad your game is to begin with. But when you start making adjustments based on the feedback you're getting from OptiShot 2, you really realize how much of a learning tool this is. Now, Mark, price of entry is not cheap. But, you know, let's keep this in perspective. OptiShot 2 retails for $499. But when you put that against how expensive it is to go to— I mean, you can go to the golf course. If you go to a nice course uh, any given day, hit some balls, do 18 holes— you're already spending a couple of hundred bucks with a golf cart rental. So this really does pay for itself after a couple of uses. And you get to uh, not shame yourself publicly with how bad your swing is. Only the <laughs> machine will know. It keeps the data for you so you can see improvement.
1: It's amazing. Listen, I'm not I'm not a big golf guy, but I I, right. I I have someone so specifically in my head that is an avid golfer that always looks for his tools like this to always improve his game. He also happens to have just renovated his home and has a, a giant retractable screen that comes down and has the space to do it i can so picture him uh, hopefully not whacking his small dog at the same time but at least well, using yeah, this in his, well, yeah exactly like, i can see him using this in his living room and it's really really cool and at that price point this is i mean this is accessible to really anybody who really takes this game seriously that's cheaper than you know some people play one day of golf
3: Oh, that's what I'm saying. And plus, if you're you know 4.99, if depending on what kind of clubs you have, you know you can have a three or four hundred dollar driver. So I mean, it, when, if you are a golfer that is you know even mildly serious about your game and getting better, and the fact you know once again, even if it didn't have decent graphics, it's a learning tool. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. But the graphics are beautiful. The courses are beautiful. And it really is something satisfying about when you whack the ball in your living room and then you see on the screen how far your ball is traveling in real time on actual courses that they play tournaments on. It all comes together as a completely immersive package. Really, really well done. And like you said... If you go into any of these, you know, simulators, whether it's at your, you know, a high-end arcade like you're talking about or more likely a, a high-end golf store that has this setup, you know what it's like to be able to go in there and actually simulate your own golf. You know, hitting hitting your golf ball as far as you can, it's incredibly satisfying. Once again, OptiShot 2, 499, and if you are a golfer or know someone that loves the game of golf and wants to get better and fine-tune their game, you probably couldn't do better for a gift than this.
1: And you can find it at uh, optishotgolf.com. Okay, Mitchell, so so th- there's more to talk about today, okay? Of We've course already, already more. spoke about the Tico 3D printer, which is so cool. So now, now there's OptiShot 2 and and that incredible golf simulator. Tell me about our new relationship with Western Digital.
3: Oh, the fine folks at WD, we are so thankful and appreciate them sending us gear now. And uh here's here let me give you just a little background in terms of gaming and storage, okay. Back in the old days of gaming, and I mean like you know a year and a half ago, of course, or two years ago, uh, the previous generation of systems, uh, being the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, okay, those systems basically the hard drives they could they could afford to have smaller hard drives, okay, twenty gig, sixty, 100, 250 gig hard drives that you wouldn't worry about filling up because basically when you were saving things, it's downloadable content that you're saving. Or you're saving your games, and that didn't really take up a lot of hard drive space. Let's fast forward to the current generation of consoles, okay? The Xbox One and PlayStation Four have built-in hard drives, but what you what you don't realize is you have to when you when you load a game these days, Mark, onto your new console, you're loading the entire game onto your console, not just your saves, not just DLC. You're loading the entire the game, game. Yeah. and they can be upwards. Of 40 to 50 gigabytes per game, which means those seemingly ample 500 gigabyte storage, you know, units that are inside these systems, they could filled up. You know, 10 games in that, and system hardware, boom, you're done. 10, 11 games, you are done. You need new storage now. The Xbox One, the way their architecture is, they will allow you to use external storage, external hard drives. So. The folks at WD sent over this really cool drive, and I, it's cool for many reasons. It's called the My Passport X. It's a portable hard drive. It's a two-terabyte drive. Wow. Let, me, let me make sure people get that. Two terabytes. So unless you're the Imelda Marcos of gaming and have to have every game that's out there <laughs> and have 3,000 games, you will never run out of space using the WD My Passport X. Now, a couple things about this unit. Number one, It looks like a mini Xbox One. This is designed for the Xbox One, and yes, of course, it will work with your home computer. It'll work with your PC. Not an issue, but it's designed to work with the Xbox One because of the way it looks, too. It looks, Mark, it looks like a mini Xbox One with the black design, partially matte, partially shiny plastic. I mean, it looks beautiful. One of the things WD prides himself on is that it will just be plug-and-play perfect and work perfectly with your Xbox One. Mm -hmm. Now, I know what people are thinking. Well, All all these, you know, it's a USB 3.0 drive, so it's very fast. All USB drives are plug and play, and they should just plug into your Xbox One. In theory, yes, but we have tested portable hard drives from other companies that were allegedly compatible, and we have had issues with disconnects with their Xbox One not recognizing the external drive. This and I tried this with three different Xboxes. Okay, mm-hmm. not once was there an issue. It immediately was recognized by all Xboxes I attached to it. It immediately started giving me access to my games, downloading really? to it. I, I felt Mark that the downloading to the external drive, I turned basically made it my primary drive. I said, "Don't worry, forget about the built-in drive on my <laughs> Xbox One. I want all my new games downloaded right to my, you know, my Passport X." and the gaming seems snappier to me than the internal drive. It just works really well. So when you combine the large size storage, the small form factor mark, this will this will fit in your pants pocket. Slides right into your pocket. A little thicker than some of the 1 terabyte drives due to the fact that it is a 2 terabyte drive, but it still it still travels beautifully. It looks great. Most importantly, Mark, No compatibility issues. Zero compatibility issues. Plug and play on every system. Works flawlessly. And for $99, for USB 3.0, Drive with two terabytes of storage that just works. Ninety nine dollars, ninety nine bucks. So if you are an Xbox One gamer, I cannot recommend an external drive more than I am recommending this WD My Passport X. It just works, and it looks like a mini Xbox One. Did I mention that? Come on, how cool is that? You did say it looks
1: like a mini Xbox One. So yeah, I think I mentioned that. So it's a perfect fit for your Xbox One. And that it's is a so great cool. it's a great hard drive. It really like, works listen, well. So. at $99 for USB 3.0, and yeah. as you said, 2 terabytes, um, is that the only model? Can you get uh, more if you want? Up to what? Uh,
3: no, right now, the My Passport, no, no, I don't, I think 2 terabyte is where it goes right okay. now. But listen, as our storage needs increase, we know uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bigger one. But, you know, 2 terabytes, man, if you, if you can't game with 2 terabytes, you have a little bit of a gaming problem.
1: Mitchell, there's, there's one last thing I wanted to mention before we sign off today. Other than, you know, I want to thank Western Digital for uh, obviously sending us that drive to test and uh, and, and hopefully not send that back. Um, OptiGolf, <laughs> obviously, you want to find that it's a Opti, it's OptiGolf.com, and uh, our friends at uh, Tico 3D, which is really cool. But there's one other product that was sent your way that has some special meaning to us. Is a new Panasonic Lumix camera that not only are you going to review next week, but we're going to we're going to make it available for a giveaway.
3: Uh, yes, we are. It's the, you know, the Panasonic has made some great digital cameras over the years. People may not, may not think about Panasonic first when they're thinking digital camera. They really should. The Panasonic Lumix line is absolutely brilliant, and they sent us what I think the, the king daddy of portable cameras is small form factors, the GM5. It is a micro four thirds camera with a removable lens. The kit comes with a flash. It comes with the lens. It is absolutely beautiful and a fantastic camera.
1: And it could be yours if you tune into our show next week. Of course, big your tees. tech report. Isn't that nice mm-hmm. how I tease that? Your big T's. Yeah, I like that. Mitchell? Yeah, thank you for a wonderful show. Thank you for being here, as always. If you want to get in on that Panasonic giveaway, uh, tune in next week right here on your Tech Report, and uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to win that camera from Panasonic, and uh, of course, right here us at Your Tech Report. I am Mark Aflalo. He is Mitchell Whitfield. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you again next week on Your Tech Report.
2: You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash Report For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com.